Hello there. Welcome to the show. It's been several weeks since I've done another episode just because of the holiday craziness, traveling and things. I also contracted the 2019 Toyota Corolla virus and um, today is actually the last day of my quarantine. So I get to go back to school on Monday, which is the most exciting thing that anyone's told me in the past probably 25 minutes. Today I wanted to do a episode on collection and or collecting things such as video games, books, music, mostly centered around video games because that's what I was thinking about. But before I start talking about that, I wanted to tell a little story that I completely made up, but it is somewhat relevant to today's political climate. Um, and I, I, agree, I think most people would agree with the premise of the story. So you have this little kid, his name is Steven. He's in the sixth grade or fifth grade or whatever, pick your grade. And he takes a test. After the test is over, Bobby goes to the teacher and says, um, Steven had a note card that he was reading off of while he was taking the test. I think that he's cheating. So the teacher walks up to Stephen and says, Stephen, someone in the class is claiming that you are cheating on your exam. He said that you had a note card that you were using to cheat off of. And, and Stephen is really smart. You know, he knows how to play the system. So he pulls out his note card and he says, well, you know, I read the note card and the note card is just a recipe for my great aunt's almond flour tortillas that she makes every Christmas time for Mexican Hanukkah. And the teacher says, well, can we see the note card? And the, and the kid says, well, I, I've investigated the note card. I have um, done an audit of this note card and it's told, and I've found out that um, there is nothing relating to the test on this note card. And then the teacher looks at Stephen and says, you know, due to the fact that you are being completely non-transparent with the rest of the class and with your teacher, I 100% believe that that note card just has a recipe for your grandma's almond flour tortillas that she makes during Mexican Hanukkah. The teacher then goes on to grade the tests that they just took, and Stephen got a 110%. Actually, he got a 125%, which doesn't make any sense. But because Stephen was so convincing by telling her that he investigated the note card that he supposedly used to cheat off of and found that there was no cheating involved, uh, she knew that Stephen wasn't cheating because you can completely trust him. Now, this story has nothing to do with anything in real life, I promise. This is not an anecdote or a analogy describing a certain topic that's been going on. Not at all. This is just a story that I thought up of, and I think that, you know, most people will enjoy that story. So today I wanted to talk, after I gave my little story, I wanted to talk about um, collecting, collecting video games, collecting a lot of things, because I think I see that a lot of people feel as if it's their life goal is to collect as many things as possible, whether it's cars, houses, children's teeth, whatever, people will collect stuff. And I've always wondered what's the point of collecting things. Um, and this is not a rant against collecting things. This is just my thoughts on it in general. There are certain things that I understand collecting more than others, like books, for example, uh, movies, I would say maybe, and now in like this digital age, things are a little bit different. It's somewhat easier to get movies pretty cheap. Art, 
I don't, I don't collect art. I don't know very much about art, but I'm sure that there are people who spend lots of money collecting art. Um, but the main one that I was thinking of was video games. And the reason was is because video games in general are different from a lot of other media because of the time that it takes to consume a specific video game. Now, obviously, there are like tons of different types of video games. So, for example, Age of Empires is a video game that it doesn't necessarily end because a lot of what Age of Empires is is playing against other people. Now, there are games such as Call of Duty or FIFA or Madden that are designed for you to play against other people, but in order to make so much money, you know, companies like EA and Activision make a new Call of Duty or make a new uh, Madden game every single year so that people will spend more money to buy these games. Whereas for Age of Empires, like obviously they have been expanding it and they've been making new ones. The fourth one is coming out in who knows how when, but they've announced it. But, you know, it's been 20 years and people are still playing Age of Empires, Age of Kings. They just came out with the definitive edition last year. That's the one that I've been playing a lot. So this is a game that has like a ton of longevity. I think I have several hundred hours in it at this point you know if you play it for multiple years you're going to have a lot of hours on it this is different from movies for example where if you collect a movie we just watched uh, gaslight last night so say we purchased that movie we rented it we didn't purchase it but so you buy that movie um it's possible for you to watch that movie and then in a year watch it again or in two or three years watch it again it's only two hours or a little bit under two hours long it's feasible for you to watch that again and video games aren't aren't the same you can't just play a game again it takes a lot of time unless you just want to spend like an hour in it which in my personal opinion i don't like doing that because i like playing a certain type of game all the way through or i like you know focusing on one or two games at the same time it's similar with books but you can't just pick up a game and, or yeah, you can't just pick up a game and play it and be done with it in a few hours. Now there are a few games that you can do that, but you know that's generally not that's generally the exception, not the rule. If I was to go over all of the video games that I've ever owned, I don't think I still have half of them. I've gotten rid of a lot of them. There are certain ones that I wish I still had, but I can't find like Link to the Past or the Game Boy Advance. I don't know where that went. Um, I do have Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance, and that's a great game, which you can, incidentally, you can beat that in two hours if you know what you're doing. Um, I've beat that one multiple times. Uh, and then there's certain games at home in Blairsville. I have a crate that's filled with these games that I'd like to keep, but I know that I'll never play them again. So, for example, Monster Hunter Try for the Nintendo Wii I put, you know, several hundred hours into that game. It got me into Monster Hunter. It was a great game. I loved playing it online. But I'm never going to go back and play it again. One, because I'm not even sure our Nintendo Wii works anymore. And two, they shut the online servers down. So you just have the single player, which, you know, it's still pretty large, but it's not the entirety of the game. So there's a lot of content that's locked out of it. And three, each new Monster Hunter game sort of builds on Monster Hunter Try, or the new the new game builds on the previous game that was before. Now, obviously, there are some things that are unique to individual games, especially if we're talking about, like, the Monster Hunter series, because in Monster Hunter Try, you had underwater combat, and then they made Monster Hunter Try Ultimate for the 3DS and the Wii U, 
and that is like a much bigger game but it's based off the same engine and it also has water um underwater combat but when they switched to monster hunter 4 they completely got rid of that and since then i think there's been three or four monster hunter games they haven't had that underwater combat so if you wanted to play a monster hunter with underwater combat you'd specifically have to go to that game but i just don't see myself and you know what people could disagree with me people could do this all the time they could be dying for that monster hunter underwater combat and have to go play that specific game but i digress there's a lot of games that i have for the playstation 2 that i played once sort of like the kingdom hearts games now kingdom hearts is somewhat of an exception because they keep on remaking the games for every console that comes out so you know there's kingdom hearts 1 2 2 and a half 2.8 you know 1.5 there's so many different types and they have them for the playstation 2 the playstation 3 the playstation 4 and i guarantee you that there's going to be a complete kingdom hearts collection for the playstation 5 that has all 754 games i loved playing kingdom hearts 1 i think that's my favorite kingdom hearts game kingdom hearts 2 was good but I played kingdom hearts when it was older still and i really enjoyed it and i didn't enjoy 2 as much but I don't see myself ever going back and playing that. Maybe, maybe one day I could potentially do that, but I'd have to get out my PS2. I'd have to find a TV that has component cables that I could plug it into, and then I'd have to find the game and play it. Books are a little bit different because they don't age the same. A book is a book regardless of the time period it was written. Now, it might be harder to read a book that was written in the 1800s just because they spoke differently and they were smarter than us, so they used bigger vocabulary words. But at the same time, you don't have to try to figure out how to run a Sega Genesis game on a PlayStation 5. Obviously, that's not going to work. But with books, all books are the same. You can read a book no matter how old it is, as long as it's printed in the language that you speak and know how to read. So needless to say, my collection of video games isn't that giant just because I'm not sure I want or need to be collecting all of these video games. Now that kind of goes into the topic of like a backlog. I have a pretty extensive backlog of games that I own but haven't yet played. I went and counted and as far as PlayStation 4 slash PlayStation 3 games, I have about nine. And then on my PC, I probably have about nine as well. Most of these games I got for under $10 because I'm always six or seven years behind whatever video game is trendy. So after, you know, six years, they're super cheap. So I'll buy a couple of them for 30 bucks and then I'll have them and hopefully play them in the future. So I'm kind of collecting PlayStation 4 games right now, but in a way it's because I'm they're They're games I haven't yet played. I'm not collecting the games. It's like, oh, I beat this one. I'm just going to hold on to this and put this on my shelf. It's like, no, I haven't played this yet. I want to, but I'm working through, you know, multiple other games. Now, before anyone attacks me for having such harsh opinions, I should point out that you chose to listen to this podcast, so that's your fault, and you can turn it off if you don't want to hear my opinions. But I'm not saying that you can't collect things, or I'm not saying that I don't necessarily agree with collecting things. I just don't necessarily know where I stand on me collecting things because generally things just pile up you have a little room in college and after you're there for nine months there's just junk everywhere and you don't know where this old toaster oven that doesn't work came from or just one left boot that's three sizes too big for you things just seem to appear and then they end up just being stacked up and then thrown away at the end of the year that happens 
And just imagine if you have a house that you've lived in for 50 years. That stuff is just junk by the time you're dead. No one else is going to care about that stuff that you have. And that's what I find super interesting about these people who do these massive collections of things, especially video games. Now, books do take a long time to read. It definitely depends on the person. It definitely depends on the book. But generally with video games, you can only play... Most games have a certain amount of time that you can play it for. You know, you can't shorten it anymore. I mean, there's speedrunners and stuff, but generally if the game's going to be 10 hours, it's going to be 10 hours, which is a lot longer than most movies. And when I say most movies, I mean all movies. What am I talking about? What movie have I ever watched that's 10 hours long? Now, games are definitely more expensive than movies because it's much more expensive to own a console, and when the game first comes out, it's going to be 60 bucks generally, generally, unless it's an indie game. But movies, if you go to a movie theater at the most, it's going to be like 20 bucks at the most. I mean, in Blairsville, it's like $6, which is unique. It's probably increased since I've been there. But if you do three or if you do 3D, I think it's $7. So they really get you with the 3D, you know, adding on that extra dollar. But movies in general are just not going to be as expensive. Like Natalie and I rented a movie last night and it was four bucks. Um, it's not a big deal. But if you bought the newest game that just came out yesterday, you're going to probably spend about $60. So you would like for your time spent with the game to equal the amount of money that you spent. Now, I can't think of the last time I spent $60 on a game. Like, I cannot think of the last time I bought a brand new game that had just come out. If it's going to be a Nintendo game, it's always going to be its top price. Nintendo games never decrease in uh, monetary value. I don't know why. That's just how it is. You know, you go look for Super Smash Brothers Melee, which came out in 2002 for the GameCube, and it's probably going to be more expensive now than it was when it came out. But that's for other reasons. But generally, if it's a first-party Nintendo game, it's not going to decrease in price. That's not the same with Sony. You can go find their top Sony games for probably 10 maybe even $5. If you go to a GameStop, probably even less. Sony also does their greatest hits collection at the end of their console generation where they have these, they're sort of red boxes for their uh, PlayStation games and they're all under 20. I think Nintendo did do that once for uh, some of the Nintendo Wii games like Super Mario Galaxy and Twilight Princess, but generally Nintendo doesn't do it as often because that's uh, just what they do. As I continue to rant and rave about collections and video games, I'm trying to come up with what the moral of this story is. I guess it's just you have to be careful because things just build up, especially with video games. You know, you have to have different consoles, and that's a whole nother issue when it talk when you come to like backwards compatibility. So like the Nintendo DS was cool because it had a slot for the Game Boy Advance games think you could play Game Boy Color games on the original Nintendo DS, but when they came out with the newer one, you couldn't. Um, so it's like if you had a Nintendo DS and you had a bunch of Game Boy Advance games and it was like, oh, awesome, I could, you know, use this to play them. But they stopped doing that in the future. I don't know if it was just for them to w make more money. So PlayStation 2 was compatible with PlayStation 1 games, but the PlayStation 3 was not compatible with the PlayStation 2, and that had to do with multiple reasons, basically because the PlayStation 3 was so complicated to make that it would have cost them a bunch of money to make the technology able to read PlayStation 2 discs. And then the same with PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3. I think PlayStation 5 is backwards compatible with PlayStation 4, and I think the new Xbox is compatible with Xbox, like, the original Xbox games, which is kind of cool, and I think they're kind of going back on that. But um, Nintendo is not so great with that. The Nintendo Wii was backwards compatible with the GameCube, but, you know, try jamming a Wii disc into a Nintendo Switch, and, you know, it's not going to work. 
So with video games, you know, you have to have TVs that can plug into consoles that can play the games that you have. So you might, I think, I let's see, if I counted the amount of consoles that I have somewhere, I have a Game Boy Advance somewhere, I have a Nintendo DS somewhere, I have a Nintendo 3DS, I have a Nintendo Wii, I don't have a GameCube, but the Wii can run GameCube games. I have a PlayStation 2. I think I have two PlayStation 2s, but one of them doesn't work, so I don't know why I have it. Um, I have a PlayStation 3, and I have a PlayStation 4. So all of those, you have to keep up with all of this stuff in order to play you know, games across this spectrum. Maybe one day they'll have the one gamer machine that can play every single game. And I guess if you talk about like emulation and stuff, but I don't know anything about that. I also don't want to go to prison. Nintendo, please don't arrest me. I've never emulated anything. I promise I've never sold anything. They will come after you. They will find you. They will kill you. Never mess with Nintendo. They will find you. Another thing that I have learned in the past several years, probably starting in college, is that as you get older, and I'm not saying I'm old because I don't think I'm old. I still think I'm a child. I actually am a child. But you run out of time. You run out of time to play these games. You can't you know, spend hours upon hours playing these games when you're older because you just have things to do. And so if the newest you know, Ghost of Tsushima comes out and it's a 35-hour game, I mean, where are you going to find 35 hours? If you were consistent enough to play an hour a day for 35 days, that, that would be an impressive feat, and I'm sure people do it. But Age of Empires, I love playing Age of Empires, but sometimes it's really hard to get into because you know, if I'm playing online, a match might last an hour, an hour and a half sometimes at the most, and I can't just stop because I'm playing with friends, I'm playing with people online. So, you know, depending on the games, you know, the older you get, the harder it is for you to play certain types. And I understand why people do like Call of Duty and people do like phone phone games. I should do a I should do a whole episode on how terrible garbage cell phone games are that drives me crazy. But that's sort of the elitist view. And I don't want to be an elitist because I hate elitist because why do they know anything better than me? I'm just a random guy. I need to calm down. This has been a very disorganized episode. Let's just say that since it's my first episode in the last maybe three weeks that I'm getting back into the swing of it, so I'm a little out of practice. So you can forgive all of my rambling and incoherent thoughts. I feel as if I've strung it together somewhat, but, you know, I'm never really good with writing outlines, a.k.a. I never write outlines unless I'm doing it with a friend because it's easier to do when you have two people. But the moral of the story should be that if I collected every single video game that I ever played and I put them on a shelf behind me so that when I became a famous video game reviewer and I videoed myself and you could see the thousands of games behind me, I would ask myself, when will I ever go back and play any of these games? If I had collected, and I've seen YouTubers, there's one in particular that I'm thinking about who has an entire room that's floor-to-ceiling bookshelves filled with video games. And I really wonder, is he ever, is he ever going to go back and play these games? If anything, it should be like a library where someone goes and they check out a game to play it and then they bring it back. Because if I have 2,500 different video games, you know, I don't even know how many hours worth of content that could potentially be. So... Does that mean I should just play a game and then give it away? I guess that's not a bad thing. If you have a friend who wants to play it and you've already played it, 
I guess there is a chance that you could come back and play it, but who are you kidding? That doesn't happen that often. I mean, there are dedicated people out there, but for your average person who plays video games, they're probably not going to have enough time to go back and play, you know, 120 hours of Persona 5 again. I mean, I guess they might, but oh well, we'll see what happens. My goal this, I guess this year, I don't really, you know, New Year's resolution is to what did I say? Red pill more normies, but you know, that requires a whole nother conversation. Maybe I should have a podcast called red pilling normies, but then in all reality, the people that I was red pilling would already be red pilled. So, I mean, no one wants to listen to me talk unless they know who I am. And most people that don't know who I am. And when they hear me talk, they don't like who I am. So that probably wouldn't be a good idea. The next episode that I'm going to do is going to be a review of the game Remnant from the Ashes with John Granholm because we've been playing that game together every Saturday. It's been pretty great. We finished the main story and there's still a ton to do, but we decided that we wanted to do a podcast. So we're going to talk about it and do our best. Um, I also want to do an episode with Nick Dabbs on the game Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a game I'm playing right now. Uh... Nick said that's one of his top games of all time, though he also prefaced that with the fact that he's only ever played five games. So take that as you will. I also would like to do some more medical podcasts. I'm in my psych rotation. I have three weeks left before I start peds, so I probably should do a couple episodes on psych stuff. Psych is really interesting because it's all based on timelines, like how long have they had these psychotic delusions, and it's named something different if they've had them for under six months versus over six months. I got a question wrong today that was about acute stress disorder. Acute stress disorder is PTSD's just it hasn't been a month yet. So it's under four weeks. If it's been four weeks, then it's technically PTSD. So I said that it was PTSD's because she had been mugged and she was waking up in the middle of the night with flashbacks, but it had only been three weeks. So it was acute stress disorder. So that's pretty much psych. There's a lot of drugs. I could talk about the drugs. The psych drugs do a lot of crazy stuff, The uh, especially the ones for the antipsychotics. Those have some wild side effects. I did get a question wrong on neuroepileptic malignant syndrome which is pretty confusing it has something to do with like loss of dopamine in the hippocampal region that causes you to freak out um that i should probably do an episode talking about that uh so yeah there's a lot of things i have planned in the future now that i'm back in the swing of things i should be trying to at least put out one episode every week i'd like to do probably two I don't even know who I'm talking to. I don't think anyone really cares. It's funny how when I release episodes, people listen to them. But after a, cer- after a certain point of time, no one goes back and is listening to my old episode. So I know that if you're going to listen to my episode, you're going to listen to it right when I release it. No one's going back and listening to my episodes, which, you know, I'm not really surprised at. I have like 15 people that listen to me and I don't even know why they do that. I'm just doing this for fun. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope to have more episodes coming out relatively soon. 